Welcome, gather round the fireside and listen to a tale of Yon McCool, Cullen, Deirdre, all the sorrows grow on your wail. From giants right down to fairies, of both the trooping and solitary, and those who are sometimes scary. Anything goes by the fireside. Yeah. Fireside, the Puka Fireside, Mero Fireside. Kings and queens fighting heroes, don't you run from the fun, there's no need to hide. Sit by the fireside. Mm. Fireside. Hello and welcome to Fireside, the Irish storytelling podcast. Each episode of Fireside, we take a story from folklore or mythology, we retell it, and have a chat about the tale itself and about the craft, culture, and history of storytelling. My name is Kevin C. Olahan, and I am your host and your Fireside Bard. Welcome to episode number 30 of Fireside, the Irish storytelling podcast. It is episode triple X. This is the stage where me having decided to use Roman numerals to number these episodes is going to start to get really complicated. <laughs> Triple X makes it look just look like it's the fireside unrated. It's the over 18s, the NC17. Like there's going to be lots and lots of uh, lots of nudity and language like it's going to be a Tarantino movie or anything. I can assure you that is not the case. It just happens to be the three X's of the number 30. So if you have little ones there listening to this podcast, uh, or even if you're just a little bit more PG yourself, then don't worry, this is not this is not a desperately depraved and lurid version of the myth of Tirnanog, I promise. That said, it is really good still, I hope, even without all that. We shall soon see. This is, of course, one of the biggest, most famous legends in all of Irish mythology. So it was a it was a big undertaking and it was an absolute joy to do because of that. And I hope you enjoy the results. Before we just crack down to it, our usual hello to all new listeners to this podcast. I hope you enjoy this one. Why not listen to, if you like this one, why not head back to the very beginning and see what we're building up to. And if you're a returning listener, you are very, very welcome. And thank you so much for your continued support. Please do continue to subscribe on iTunes, to leave ratings, reviews, wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, please follow me on Instagram at OLO. Olahan Solo, all one word. That is O L O H A N S O L O. That is the best place to contact me if you are enjoying the podcast. Thank you to everyone who has messaged me so far. I am, I am hopefully getting back to everyone. I'm I'm not inundated to the same extent as big big podcasts. So don't worry if you have texted me a question, I will reply to you. Uh, but it is fantastic. I love when people message out to me it's just especially from different parts of the world it's really great to know that the podcast is being listened to out there and that people are responding and enjoying it and in in fact i probably mentioned but a couple of weeks ago we had a listener contact me straight away when an episode was released to say that the audio wasn't working on the apps and we were able to fix that straight away because of that instant feedback so 
that makes me feel like there really is a sense of community with this podcast that I want. The socialistic model, as Blind Boy calls it on his podcast. So thank you so much for that, and please do continue to support. If you would like to support extra... Extraly, not extraly. If you would like to give a bit of extra support, you can, of course, do so at the Patreon page, forward slash Fireside Podcast, and donate to our cause to take this podcast live. We want to create a live, intimate storytelling experience where we can tell tales of old and new. If not, continue to listen to the podcast for free. It is my great joy and pleasure to write and record this podcast every week. Okay, let's get down to brass tacks. Let us get down to the tale itself. This is the big mammoth, the legend of Tiernan Oak on Fireside. The legend of Tiernan Oak. At the Battle of Gowra, the Fina of Ireland were defeated. After years of defending their country, Fionn McCool and his band of warriors were overthrown by the very people who they were sworn to protect, the people of Ireland. Fionn's fate after the battle would remain a matter of debate and mystery that would fade into mythology. But the only two known survivors of the Fianna were Quilcha Macaronan and Fionn's own son, Oshin. Quilcha was the fastest runner of all the Fianna, and it had been him that had saved Ushin from the carnage of battle. Ushin was the greatest bard in all of Ireland. It would be his duty to tell the tale of his father Fionn and his fellow warriors. After the battle, Quilcha and Ushin wandered Ireland in hiding and disgrace. Ushin particularly was devastated by the battle. Not only had he lost his father Fionn, but also his only son, Oscar. Oscar was considered one of the greatest warriors of the Fianna. Oshin would have rather died in battle side by side with his father and son, but Quilcha said he had a duty to them and to all his fellow warriors to live and not to die. Oshin knew Quilcha was right, but this did not lessen the burden he felt each and every day. Their wanderings eventually led the two men to the beaches of the west coast of Ireland. There they sat on the beach, lit a fire, caught some fish, cooked and ate them, sat and told stories of fallen comrades until the early hours. It was the first time either of them had felt even the smallest amount of comfort since the battle. It was the power of storytelling. Both men dozed off. And hours later, Ushin was awoken by the cold, westerly wind of the Atlantic Ocean. Dawn was rising over the horizon. Ushin stood and walked to the seashore and wet his feet and breathed deeply the salt air. In his semi-conscious state, Ushin could swear he saw something on the horizon. It looked like the shape of someone on horseback. But this was impossible. Ushin rubbed the sleep out of his eyes. But once his vision was clear, his sighting was confirmed. Riding across the waves, as if on the smoothest of roads, was a brilliant white stallion, and riding on the horse's back was a shimmering blonde woman. Oshin had seen so much in his life with the Fianna. There was very little that surprised him. He himself had been born of a deer mother, that is a mother who was a deer, and raised in the woods as a feral creature before being found and taken in by his father, Fionn. 
But Ushin had never seen a sight like the one galloping over the waves. He didn't know which was more astonishing, the aquadynamic horse or the vision riding her. Before long, both were standing before him. Ushin's every sense was overwhelmed. He had seen blonde hair before, but never of this length or thickness. Her skin was perfect, and she looked at him with a smile that instantly put him at ease. Her eyes knew so much than her apparent youth. He could smell the rich leather from the saddle and the natural perfume from the rider. She wore clothes that were works of art themselves, with weaving and stitch and colour Ushin had never seen anywhere in Ireland. While he stood and stared with a gormless, baffled expression, the mysterious woman spoke. I am looking for Ushin, son of Fionn McCool of the Fianna of Ireland. Her voice was somehow even more beautiful than she was, as if she was about to burst into song. Ushin attempted to speak. It's, um, he's, well, th that was fortunate. I, I, uh, I am, I am him, he eventually blurted out. The rider smiled. I know you are. It's no coincidence you camped on this beach. What are you? What am I? <laughs> Shouldn't that be who am I? I, I apologize. That, that was rude of me. I just, I'm sorry, but I've never seen anyone or anything that looked like you before. You don't look like you're of this world. And from the way you walked across water there, I don't think you are. It is only my horse that can ride across the waves. But you are correct. I am not from this land. My name is Neve, and I am the princess of Tirnanog. Tirnanog? Yes, the land of eternal youth, where no one knows any sorrow and trees bloom and it never rains, all that. The same. That's a real place. Of course it is. You are the son of Fionn McCool and the Princess Sive. You are of the blood of the Tour de Danon. Surely you believe in Tirnanog. I've heard stories about it my whole life, but I could never be sure. I've seen and heard a lot of conflicting things over my years on this earth. And after the events of the past few weeks, I'm not sure what to believe anymore. I can imagine. I know of your pain. That is why I am here. What do you know? My people have long heard of the Fianna, who defended Ireland to the last, and who were wiped out by the very people they protected. And we have heard of the bard and warrior Ushin, who has known the greatest sorrow of losing both a father and a child. It's not a... It's not exactly a pain I can put into words. I don't doubt it. That is why I've come to you. To take you to a place where you will never feel sorrow or grief again. Come with me to Tirnanog. Oshin didn't know what to say. There was nothing left keeping him in Ireland. Except, of course, what about Quilche? The runner of the Fianna was still asleep on the beach at this point. Oshin turned and looked to the man who had saved his life at the Battle of Gaura. Quilche will understand... He saved your life so that you may preserve the memory of your family and comrades. There is no better place to do that than in the land of your ancestors where you will live forever.
Oshin took one last look at his sleeping comrade, then looked deeply into the eyes of his mounted savior. Without thinking or saying another word, Oshin raised his hand. Niamh took hold of him. Oshin felt the texture of her skin in his soul and was baffled by her strength as with one hand she pulled him up onto the back of the white horse. Oshin had not ridden behind someone on horseback since he had been a boy, but there was no question. Niamh was the most gifted and confident rider he had ever seen. She took the bridle in her hands, turned the white steed around, and after rearing up on the sandy beach one last time, the horse carrying Oshin and Neve galloped back across the waves on its clear course for Tir Nanog. Oshin had never sailed west of Ireland. He didn't know what lay past the Atlantic waves. He was expecting to just arrive on a new shore, but Tir Nanog isn't a different country, it's a different world. The waves began to warp around the horse, and Oshin looked up and down and found something different each time he blinked. Sky was sea, and sea was sky. The world was upside down, inside out. He dared to not look away until the waves settled again, and Oshin found himself on the shore of a brand new world. Neve immediately leapt off the horse, and with great trepidation, Oshin followed suit. As soon as his feet touched earth, Oshin knew there was something special about this land. He felt stronger, healthier, happy for the first time since the death of Oscar, and so much so that he felt as if he had never been happy before. He turned to Neve. Can I kiss you? You don't need to ask. And Oshin took Neve into his arms and felt his strength on her, but also her strength on him. It was a different kind of kiss, a rebirth, a first kiss. Thank you. I really wanted to do that. Thank you for letting me. Welcome to Tirnanog. The land surrounding Oshin was so like and unlike Ireland at the very same time. A rich and green mountainous terrain full with the nutrient of rain but without a cloud in the sky and the sun splitting the stones. There seemed to be no discrepancy between the wealth of Tirnanog. In fact, there seemed to be no class structure at all. Oshin knew there was a king of whom Neve was the daughter of, but all houses he saw were different only in personal aesthetic. They were all large and fortified. Neve brought Oshin before her father, the king of Tirnanog. He looked young enough to be her brother. The king was kind and welcoming to Oshin. Blood of the Tuol de Danon, and son of Fionn your sorrows are at an end. You may live in peace here. Oshin tried not to overburden the king and Neve, but he had so many questions. He wondered how such a seemingly egalitarian society had a monarch. Neve answered, A term as king of Tirnanog lasts for seven years. When the end of that term comes, any challenger, man or woman, may seek the throne, but to win it, they must beat the current king in a foot race to the top of the hill where the throne sits. Whoever sits first is the new ruler. No one has ever beaten my father. Have you ever taken a shot at the throne yourself? asked Oshin. Neve smiled. Ruling has never interested me. I prefer the freedom afforded a princess that isn't necessarily afforded a king. It was no surprise to Oshin that he was falling madly in love with this woman. What was surprising to him was that Neve 
was also falling in love with him. When I came to your world, I sought to merely be the boatman to ferry you over here. I did not seek a husband. I have been weary with suitors viewing me as a prize to be won, or as an indirect route to my father's throne. Also, handsomeness and beauty have never really been a factor, because everyone here is perfect. But in you, Ushin, you have allowed me to see my home with new eyes. Ushin's great skill as a bard and storyteller extended to how he spoke in every conversation. He viewed the world with a zest for life and could articulate his emotion better than anyone else Neve had met. To Ushin, Neve was fiercer than any warrior of the Fianna. She had the courage he had always thought he lacked compared to his father and son, but with Neve, Ushin felt courageous as an Irish wolfhound. Neve and Ushin married, and over the course of three years they had three children, two sons and one daughter. Ushin had never known happiness like he did in Tiernanog, and yet there was a pain deeper in him that even a land devoid of sorrow could not reach. He longed to see Era once more. There was nothing for him there. His family and comrades wiped out. He wasn't welcome there. And yet, he was an Irishman. No happiness in a foreign land could take away from his love and devotion to that tiny, windy island where he was born and raised. He raised the idea of visiting home again several times over the years with Neve, but every time she just tried to distract him with another feast, a hunt, or a celebration. But eventually this wasn't enough. It greatly pained Neve to reveal an unknown truth to her love, but she had to tell him. Ushin, time moves differently in Tirnanog. I know to us it feels like but three blissful years, but back in your home... Three centuries have passed. There is nothing of the land you loved left. Your home doesn't exist there anymore. Your home is here. Oshin was devastated by this news, but if this was true, then he had to see it for himself. Neve reluctantly relented and gave Oshin her white stallion to bring him home. But Neve also had a caution for Oshin. Visit your home and see for yourself what has become of it. But beware, my love, you must never, under any circumstances, get off this horse. Even if you set one foot on Irish soil again, you will never be able to return to Tiernanog. This heavy risk was, of course, why Neve was so reluctant for Ushin to leave her. But she knew he would never know true peace without seeing Ireland again. They kissed, and Ushin mounted the brilliant white steed and rode for his homeland. Through the waves, under and over the sky, Ushin ripped back through to his old reality and soon found himself breathing the damp air of home. Ushin rode the length and breadth of the country, and Neve was proved right. He recognized none of what he saw. The buildings, the dress, the people, everything had changed. He rode to Alwyn, Tara, and all the places he had known, but all he found everywhere he went were overgrown ruins. He rode into villages and, while staying on horseback, would ask people what they knew about the Fianna and of Fionn Macool. The responses that met him were of condescension and sarcasm. To these people, stories of the Fianna were childish fantasies, and Ushin was looked at like a madman for believing in those tales. 
Oshin was deeply saddened by what he saw, but he felt some satisfaction in knowing he had made the right decision to go to Tirnanog. His home truly was wherever Neve was. Oshin went to turn the horse around and head back to his love when he saw four men attempting to shift an enormous boulder with a lever. They were making no headway at all, so Oshin, in a last act of kindness to his fellow Irishmen, reached down and lifted the boulder with one hand. He asked the men where they wanted it, and Oshin hurled the rock to the hilltop destination. However, the added pressure of the rock was too much for the saddle Oshin sat on. The strap snapped and Oshin fell to the ground. The very moment he touched Irish soil, three hundred years ravaged the young warrior's body. His hair whitened, his teeth grew soft and fell out, and his tight, strong muscles became frail and brittle. The horse immediately reared up and galloped back across the waves to Tirnanog without Oshin. The now ancient man lay dying on the ground. The four men he had tried to help had seen it all and gathered around the body. They didn't know what was happening. Magic had long left Ireland, so they were shocked and scared. There was only one thing for it, they thought. They must bring the warrior to the wisest man in Ireland. They must bring Oshin to see St. Patrick. Who's St. Patrick? asked Oshin. Also, what's a saint? Oh, well, he's this Welsh lad who was brought over to Ireland as a slave, won his freedom home, found God, came back to Ireland, and essentially single-handedly, with barely a drop of blood, turned the entire country Christian, said one of the men. What's Christian? said an even more confused Oshin. We'll let Patrick tell you about that. That's a pretty big question. Yeah, you'll like Patrick. He sound like. And he got rid of the snakes, too. Oshin did not point out that there were no snakes in Ireland 300 years before St. Patrick, so he couldn't see how he could have gotten rid of them. The bent double former Fenian warrior was brought before an old man in strange green attire. To Oshin, he looked like a wealthy and decadent druid. He was old himself, although, compared to Oshin, Patrick was like a fetus. And who do we have here? said Patrick, welcoming the company. The four lads explained all to Patrick, what little they could explain at least. Patrick would have been sceptical, but in all his years he had never seen anyone look nearly as decrepit as Oshin did at that moment. He looked like if you blew on him he'd turn to dust. Oshin was laying on a bed and made to feel as comfortable as possible. Patrick sat at his bedside with quill and paper and asked Oshin to tell his story. The Fenian warrior knew he was in his final hours. This would be his only opportunity to tell his story, all of it, from birth to death, and not just his, of the Fianna, of his son Oscar and his father, Fionn. From what Oshin had seen, the Fianna had already faded from memory. He was determined for this not to be the case. Even this close to death, Oshin was still the greatest bard Ireland had known. With fascinating intrigue, Patrick took down each and every word the old man said. In return, Patrick told Oshin about Christianity, about the one God, about heaven and hell. When the tale was told and Oshin was breathing his last, Patrick offered to baptize Oshin. 
Let me baptize you and send you to joy everlasting. You want me, after several lifetimes living the way of the Fianna and the two of their Danan, to accept your one God? He is the one true God. If you aren't baptized, you will go to the fiery pits of hell. And tell me, Welsh monk, was Fionn McCool baptized? No, and he has no doubt burning for it. Ha! <laughs> you never knew my father. He could never be killed. And if he could withstand the flames of Alain the Burner, no fire your god could send him to could ever withhold him. My true love is immortal. She will never die, and so I will never be with her again. But wherever my father and my son are, that's where I want to go. And so Ushin, the warrior, the bard, the lover, died. And Patrick buried him, not as a Christian, but as a Fenian, to be continued. Glory be the story of two of Tiernanog. My God, the story of Tiernanog on Fireside. I hope you enjoyed it. That it is just, it is one of the big heavy hitters of Irish mythology. It's one of the ones I most most clearly remember from school, from the few stories we used to be taught when I was very young. Although I never knew until. I started this podcast that Tiernan Oak was one of the stories of the Fenian cycle. I knew who Ushin and Neve were, but I didn't know that Fion- that Ushin was this son of Fionn McCool and that it would be this this appendix, if you will, to to the Fenian cycle. Which it very much is. Now it changes. There are a couple there's a couple of very different versions of this story. A lot of them with the exact same bones, but the the implication has changed a certain amount with them, and I'm going to talk about some of them right now. I, of course, have my regular source of the Lady Gregory's Book of Irish Mythology, but also Bard Mythologies online and a few other websites uh, that have been very, very helpful for the Fenian cycle of these fresh these fresh takes. Because I, I've said before, I like my favourite kinds of episodes to write is when I read a story or a couple of versions of a story and then I'm able to just run with it and write my own version and I don't have to constantly be checking back for plot points or plot details. And this is, of course, one of those stories. It's a very simple story, but very, very strong because of that. A man gets taken away to a land of eternal youth by a beautiful woman who he falls in love with, misses his home, goes back falls off a horse, realizes 300 years have passed, is too old and dies. Like you can sum it up in, you can sum it up badly like I just did there, but you can do it in one sentence, which is what any high concept, as they call it in movies, which is what any good idea, any high concept is. And why this is such an enduring, why people who don't know anything about mythology, why they at least know the land of Tiernan Oak. Hard to begin to talk about differences I suppose in one major one, Fionn is still alive. There are versions of this story where this takes place during the lifetimes of Fionn McCool, and he leaves his father, and his father's sad to leave him. So in that case, 
Oshin was not at the Battle of Gaura, and that's why I kept it. I loved, I loved the idea of Oshin leaving his land with nothing left and still wanting to return. There was something really in that, not to get too nationalistic or anything on this, but if Fionn and Oscar and his family and friends were all still alive in Ireland, it would make so much sense for him to want to go back and visit them. And it would be make much more sense why Neve would be devastated that he would go and why she would caution him and tell him that everything's changed and everything, but he'd still have to see. But it's so much more interesting and a little bit more complex for me that if he leaves, if he escapes Ireland, and there's absolutely nothing for him to return to, but he still, still wants to, he still needs to see his home again. Because Tiernan Og again is complicated. It... It basically is the other world. It is the fairy world that we hear mentioned so many times, but certainly not in any other ver- not in any other story so far, or any version of any story I've found so far, has it ever been re- been called Tirnanog outside of the context of this story. Neve is referred to as princess of Tirnanog, and there is a king of Tirnanog, and it is the land, the land of youth. But it does seem to be the fairy other world. It seems to be the place of the Tua de Danan. But I kind of kept that vague. I kind of made it seem like it's almost like a sister dimension or a different part of the fairy world or something. It does seem to stand on its own to a certain degree. Another thing that makes it quite complicated is that there are some versions... I suppose these must be versions where Tirnanog doesn't happen at all. Versions of the Fenian cycle that don't include this myth at all. And there is, and that's when it comes to Neve. So Neve, in some of these versions, is the mother of Oscar. In fact, the two sons that he has in Tirnanog with Neve, one of them is Oscar in that, but of course Oscar's already dead in our timeline. But there are versions where Neve is a mortal monster princess and ends up killing herself, I believe. I don't want to just absolutely throw that out there without that being true. She's a mortal monster princess. Yes, and committed suicide when her father's army arrived in pursuit. So she of Ulster, sorry. Oh no, she was of Munster and they tried to flee to Ulster. But so not unlike the pursuit of Dermot and Grania in that regard. But I much preferred this idea. The only problem is we don't know now in our timeline who is Oscar's mother, but... For the context of this story, this is, if if the story of the Fenian cycle is about one thing, it is about the story of fathers and sons. It is the story of Fionn, Oshin, Oscar, this, this dynasty. Cool to a lesser extent, even at the beginning. It is the charting of the rise and fall of this warrior band all through the eyes of one one family and like descendants of that family and that's what's really beautiful and we get this rich tapestry of characters throughout that as well and what a joy what a joy it has been to do as well but that is that is the thing about contradiction is the very nature of mythology you only have to look to Stephen Fry or Neil Gaiman or any of the massive massive influences on this podcast to to look at that Side note, it's, he did it again. Stephen Fry was just recently on the Graham Norton show again, talking about storytelling and gathering around the fireside. He's doing a tour of the UK at the moment where he's doing like a three three shows, three nights of 
of his mythos books. He's doing the gods on one night, heroes on the next night, and man on the final night. He hasn't released man as a book yet. I hope he does very, very soon. But my God, I would adore to go and see go and see him do that, of just him sitting on a stage and just telling stories. Can you imagine anything more glorious? And if you don't know Stephen Fry, list, look him up. Read Mythos and Heroes. Don't even read them. Get them on audio audiobook. Let him tell you those stories. When it comes to Neve, Neve is a brilliant, a brilliant character we meet, and she's this vision, and she's this powerful, strong, um, and very physical. I liked that as an element as well. That Tiernanog, I've painted as kind of this perfect Ireland. This Ireland, if it was sunny all the time. Because I usually think that Ireland is such a great place except for the weather and that when the sun comes out, it isn't fair. You know, when you've got when you've got that much culture in a country and you get a bit of weather as well, there's there's nowhere else you'd rather be, personally speaking, anyway. And I wanted Tiernan Oak to be that. I wanted it to be our idealised, egalitarian version of Ireland. But what's very sad about this story, and I tried finding this in other versions, uh, there's no reference of whatever happened to Neve. Because I suppose she did. She just lived forever. She just had to get past it. She could never. I suppose she could never visit him because he died. She couldn't get there quick enough if she tried to. And I guess that the one of the reasons I saw for that while I was here was what I was looking up was that the story is from very much from Oshin's point of view. It's his perspective, so he doesn't know what happened to her, so therefore we don't know. There are massive, massive echoes with this story particularly and the work of W.B. Yeats. Again, one of the big, big influences on this podcast. His book on Irish folktales was the first book I bought with the Lady Gregory book. Lady Gregory and Yeats, we owe so much of what we know of Irish myth and folklore because of the two of them, particularly Lady Gregory, but massively because of W.B. Yeats as well. But Oshin was Yeats's hero, big time. He has one of his earliest collections. He has an epic poem called The Wanderings of Oshin. I was going to include it here, but it is so, so long, and I didn't want to include just a passage of it if I couldn't get the whole poem out, but check it out if you want, The Wanderings of Oshin. It is it is not held up as much nowadays as one of Yeats's great masterpieces when it comes to poetry, but there are a lot that consider it worth re-evaluation, and obviously it is very, very interesting from our point of view for this podcast. It is mostly a conversation between Patrick and Oshin, which is incredibly interesting. Patrick of Ireland, of course, St. Patrick, making another appearance again, first first time since the Three Wishes. This, that conversation with Patrick basically sums up my entire ethos with this podcast, and I love that so much. I've spoken before about how we have the Christian monks for, in some way, saving civilization by writing everything down, including our myths, uh, but because of that, they obviously Christianized these stories and demoted the gods into heroes and catered and tailored a lot of stories to suit a more Christian image. Nowhere is this more true in this story, but in here you have an actual dialogue. It's it's not just like the 
certain versions of the children of Lear where the swans at the end are baptized and they go to heaven and it's all grand and this to be fair is a version of this story that I read that I hadn't seen before I thought I always thought that Oshin was baptized but I never encountered this back and forth argument between them and Patrick just going as far as to say the Fionn was in hell and that Oshin would go to hell and Oshin saying no I've lived and died as this warrior believing this under this honor code believing in these multiple gods of which I'm supposed to be descended even if that's not true I want to go to that and that to be the end of me which is fantastic so it really has the perfect marriage like that you can imagine it's like a fantasy of where the Fenian cycle actually came from. Like St. Patrick actually just wrote it down there and that is where we got it from. Like it became history. Because we know for a fact St. Patrick was a real person. He was a very, very influential guy. As as I said in the line of dialogue there, and this is something we don't really think about because we hear about so much violence is committed in the name of religion over the course of history. But the turning of Ireland from uh, being Celtic into Christian in the fifth, middle of the fourth, I think middle of the fifth century with St. Patrick was almost seamless. It was almost totally bloodless. It wasn't a war. There was no fighting. He just peaceably convinced everyone. And whether or not you believe in Christianity, which I, which I don't anymore, certainly, that is incredibly fascinating from a historical point of view considering that then later like the Vikings would come and then the Normans and the, therefore the British and everything, considering the absolute carnage that became Irish political, socio-political history, that one of the first, if not the first big change that came to Ireland was a peaceful one. And it basically all just went downhill from there. But Yeats, Yeats recognized an awful lot of himself in Oshin, quite modestly. Yeats, of course, was uh, incredibly, he was incredibly lovelorn over a woman named Maud Gon who refused to ever marry him. And so he had this constant lust for her and searching for her and wrote some of the greatest poetry ever, ever written about her. In fact, Maud Gon is quoted as saying that, like, the world has me to thank for, the, the world should thank me for never marrying W.B. Yeats, which is incredible. But you can see that then, this almost unrequited love where Ushin went to spend this time with Neve, but couldn't, and then was taken away and then couldn't be with her. There is a, there is a, an echo of unrequited love to that, of being taken away and not being able to see your love ever again. And yes, that was what that was what WB Yeats was so inspired by and why he wrote The Wanderings of Oshin in his own modest fashion as he was not. Although amazingly, later on, a very young James Joyce, I found this out this week, very young James Joyce met, had a meeting with WB Yeats. I think WB Yeats was about 16 or 17 years older than Yeats. Joyce would have been about 21 or 22 at the time, and he asked Yates how old he was. And Yates lied about his age and took a few years off, so he probably said he was about 33 or 34. And Joyce said, Ah, I'm, you're too old for me to help you. <laughs> Which I think is wonderful, because when it came to... When it came to Joyce's writing, he was the most confident person who had ever lived. That is why I... 
boldly claimed on this podcast before that James Joyce was like the Kanye West of his days. He just said he was the best and then went and basically did that. And I was never strung up for that comparison, so I don't take it back. But we just have to wrap it up now. We're coming to the end of the hour now. But I hope you have really enjoyed. You've enjoyed Tiernan Oak and enjoyed the Fenian Cycle. I think that's us. I think that is the final story of the Fenian Cycle. So we'll most likely be moving on to the cycle of the kings, the historical cycle, which is one that's all new territory, pardon me, is all new territory for me as well, and I can't wait to get stuck into it. It is, If it is anything even half as good, half as fun as the Fenian cycle was to imbibe each and every week. I can't wait and I hope you look forward to it as well. Thank you so much again to everyone who for listening to this regularly and for new listeners as well. Please do continue to like, subscribe, leave ratings, comments, all of that. Message me, Olahan Solo, O-L-O-H-S-O-L-O, all one word. Fireside Podcast on Patreon, all of that. Thank you so much for your support. Thank you to everyone here at Headstuff, Pod- the Headstuff Podcast Network Studios. Uh, thank you to Jamie, my producer. And once again, thank you to all of you. I will see you all. You will hear me all next week on the fireside. On the fireside, by the fireside. Don't throw them on the fireside. They'll burn. Goodbye. This podcast is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network.